mixtapes. The classic mixtapes. Doing the mixtape thing. Let me drop a mixtape. Oh, mixtape. The mixtapes. This is the Art Behind the Tape Podcast. Podcast. Hosted by this DJ. DJ Mars and Brill Jive. Covering the spectrum of the mixtape culture. Yo, 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 party people. What's good? What's good? What's good? It's the DJ Mars sitting right next to my partner crime on the other side. Brill and Jive holding it down for the Art Behind the Tape Podcast. What's good, Mars? Man, it's all good. Listen, this is ATL to the Fullest. ATL Royalty right here. <laughs> to Legend. The fullest. I got my man 50 grand, 100,000 grand on top of that. My man DJ Jelly represent the Oot Camp. Represent Atlanta to the fullest, man. Thank you, my God. Absolutely, thank you. my man. Thank you. Thank you. No, I can't say it enough times. Thank you for yes. being not only my friend, but being a pillar in the mixtape community in Atlanta first, but then globally because we're going to talk about your penetration through the global market. Correct. Thank you, my God, man. My we man. appreciate mm-hmm. you coming out, man, and talking to us, bro. That's what's up. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I'm on deck. Yeah, we were talking yes, before you got here. Mm-hmm. Like, every DJ has a personality. Like, in every interview has a personality. We were saying, yo, this one is going to be for educational purposes only. Right. <laughs> right. For real. Like, That's yo. crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I hear you. Man, so, so when we talk about history, everyone has history. Right. Right. Um, your your uh, uh, lineage takes you back to, you know, the Midwest, to St. Louis. What was mixtapes or what was what was music like for you let's say in junior high like what was jelly listening to I mean, in that era i mean i was listening to full force i was listening to houdini i was listening to k love and you know all kind of stuff all that it was that was the breakdance era uh-huh. that's, you know and i was breakdancing so that was that was your your like your your first footsteps into hip-hop breakdancing absolutely breakdancing man listen listen to rapids delight wow well rapids delight was more like when i was like at six Fifth grade, or sixth uh-huh. grade, yeah, uh-huh. but still. So, so when did you? Okay, so you, you're watching breakdance. You watching the movies because B Street, I was breaking. on it. All that, bro. Come on, Wild Style. <laughs> I, was, I was on all that all day, bro. So, so at what point between watching it and you breakdancing did DJing become important to you? Well, I had a. I, I have a mentor. Um, shouts out to Cutmaster K, who I used to carry his records, me and my boys. Wow. And we used to crank up his parties. So we mm-hmm. we'll get in there. We had no biz. We would go, we were in uh junior high and high school going to all these college parties early. So we was mm-hmm. on deck. We was we was the stars. You know, we got out there and party while he DJ, but mm-hmm. I was so fascinated on how he blended, he blended all kind of music. Mm-hmm. Back during that time, it was a lot of um you had like Radio Clash, and, I mean, like The Clash, and you had PC Boys. You had different stuff, and he was blending all that together. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like Chicago State at Night and just cutting mm-hmm. it up. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, this is dope. I just, mm-hmm. You know, I'm just a, a child of hip-hop. I'm, I'm fascinated. You know, here we are. Mm-hmm. And that was a fascinating thing, I, even though I was dancing. Mm-hmm. And I did art. I didn't tag any... Um, subway trains, you know, I want to do that. That's, that's in my bucket list, but but, but you know, I was just however, like that DJ was dope. I'm like, that's dope. I'm right. just, I just, I love music, man. So, so St. Louis obviously mm. isn't Chicago. It's not Detroit. No, what were totally y'all? Different. Uh, was it like a specific vibe that you guys were on back then? No, it was just we was just on. We were just on all hip 
everything came through that two live crew to mm-hmm. NWA, the Beastie Boys, Too Short. We got everything through there. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we we were just on the discovery of hip hop. Discovery at large. of hip hop. Yeah. It's a melting pot. Basically. Yeah, it was. It wasn't no like a Nelly sound or nothing like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. none of that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we just we like the music. Yeah, and you know yeah. what I'm saying. And the DJ culture is big in the Midwest, so people blended everything together. Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> did uh, I, I know you just you talked about hip hop. Did disco permeate the St. Louis uh, market? I, you know, because I mentioned that because y'all are sort on some level relative to Chicago, and I know disco and house big house in Chicago. music did house right, music that did. was. That, that was, was on. That was in there, bro. That was on. Deck. That was. It was. Mm. It was there, bro. <laughs> Strong. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. You know, I didn't. You know, I, but I was in disco when I was a child, so it was just. Uh-huh. You know that that uh. You know that. You know, it just it was natural. Mm. You know, mm. you know that transition. Listening to disco and going and going in the house because house is more like um. You know, you had your hip hop. We was thugging with the hip hop, but the house music we party and the women. The, 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 you know, mm-hmm. we, we was on it. Mm. Yeah, like so. I like to ask these questions to kind of like paint this picture of DJs who have a wide palette of music. Like, yeah. st- with like uh, our brains are like computers, literally, with music stored in our in our head. And I remember coming up, Kraftwerk was big. Man, you, huge. you know, obviously, Soul Sonic Force, Planet Rock. But th- those are like you know. Um, Rocket, Herbie Hancock. Right. Those were like the electronic sounds of hip hop um, that led to, obviously led to bass music. Absolutely. Um, and led to other genres. Yeah. And, and to your point, you're talking about styles and genres and, and these are all different things that you put into the into Jelly's mental crib. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, that's all in my files. Just I'm talking about, I'm a you know, uh, it's like diction of the seventies, baby. That's just what all that <laughs> just seeping through my soul, through my pores. That's you, right? Yeah, right. man, it, it's so incredible. So, like, you know, before every interview, we kind of me and Brill do our homework and whatnot. Um, Brill is like our tactician <laughs> over, okay. over here, yeah. like, like he, like he lays it out, man. So, so like some of the questions I know Brill been waiting to ask you and whatnot, man. Right, definitely. So, when it comes to St. Louis, was there a mixtape scene or? A- not, not really. I mean, um, like I said, it was it was only a few DJs really putting out a mixtape, but it wasn't big. It wasn't big. Gotcha. At that time, like we were talking about the mid '80s, late '80s, it wasn't really big. It was just a few DJs that did it. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you this question: What's your what was your first mixtape experience or your? I mean, it was from my from my mentor, Come Master Case. So he would make the tapes, and then I went home and started. You know, I got me some turntable. Well, one turntable. Then I had a tape deck, so mm-hmm. I would you know have my mixer mix mix that turntable and tape deck, and I had another tape deck, and then I you know make my master through the tape deck and and the turntable. Then I would take that tape out again and then mix back over it again, like mm-hmm. I had a multi track. Okay, mm. so that's what I would do because he he would do similar to that, and I would just try to mimic that because I like oh I hear this going with this and this you know going back to back, and right. then of course towards the late eighties I started hearing the Dr. Dre swap me mixtape, so mm. all of that just blew my mind. Mm. You know you know time. Brill from, from, LA. West, from LA, he from so LA. I, know about those. <laughs> I, I was I was on that wow. I was on that hard. I was listening. How he was 
the multi-track. I'll just listen to it. So I'm just rolling in and I was like, that's, and it's production, really. Production. Yeah, it is. And, it's production. and it blew my mind. Wow. The possibilities that you can do, use music and do this. So the Dr. Dre mixtapes made to the same, to the Midwest, to St. Louis? Absolutely. Wow. Because you had a lot, you had a lot of people that were in different gangs moving to St. Louis. Mm. And the, the, this is mid, late 80s. They right. were moving there. The rolling 60s and 30s, whatever, you know, just, right. I, I had a partner, Wacky, he was, I always put me up on Dre shit. You know, mm-hmm. he had the wavy hair, he had the converse. And uh yeah, they was it was real. You know what's ill and what was dope is is how street culture helped. Like I mean you just said, right. like uh, you know, what was it? Ice Cube summer vacation. Yeah. And he, he talked like make a trip to St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. They were moving there. They were moving there. It's eighty five. Mm. They moving up in there. They in wow. St. Louis. So what he was saying in that song was relatively That's very real. Yeah. Very, I, very, I connected as soon as I heard that I was like, yeah. yep. So Brill obviously a West Coast guy, me a East Coast guy. When <laughs> I heard that I've obviously um I'm not in St. Louis. I wasn't in St. Louis. DJ Quick. But when I heard it, I was like, yo, this has, the way he wrote that rhyme and that song, I was like, somebody had to do that. Right, for real. Like, like that's that's all, you know. Yeah, Cube was on it. Yeah, so so we're talking Jelly history. Where did the name Jelly come from? I mean, it came from, um, I'm a big Minneapolis Prince fan, so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the drummer, I used to come to high school with suit jackets on and all that stuff, <laughs> even though I look more like Jerome, but my boy was like, <laughs> he was like, Jelly, Jelly Bean. And that was the, the drummer's name in the time, Jelly Bean. Mm-hmm. I used to wear these long suit jacket that was like Morris Day album. Yeah, yeah, Z Cavarici. Yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah, that part. Yeah. So I was on it, and he was like, Jelly Bean. I'm like, man, what you call me, Jelly? That was one of my partners, Stick. And then, um, of course, Cool J dropped. When I got out of high school, he jelly dropped bean. that. Yeah, man. I was like, ooh, I'm going to have to use that chippy jelly, crunchy, like a jelly, jelly bean. bean. I was like, that's it. And it, and it just, it was a wrap after mm. that. Wow. Wow. I mean, obviously, it, it stuck and it worked. I, I feel like names are super important. Like, oh, I was man, reading an interview, DMC, he was talking about rappers' names from the 80s and the correlation between their names and comic book names, right? So, it, he, he said... I'm paraphrasing DMC. He was saying gotcha. that that rappers came up with names because they felt like they were superheroes. And he was when he said it, I didn't understand it. He was like, DMC stands for devastating Mike Controller. Controller. Mm-hmm. You know, Grandmaster Kaz, yeah. the Furious Five. Like, if you think about it, you could take those names and put it on comic books, on the pages of comic books, and those names will be like bigger than right. life. Because right. that's the energy that we was on. That's right. right. In the 80s, we were Kung Fu flicks. Man, come on. Comic, man. comic books. books. Comic books hard. <laughs> man, and think about Grandmaster Flash. I mean, me seeing him in Wild Style and how he was freaking the turntables and putting the sounds together, I was just blown away mm. when I saw that. All that just kind of going to the psyche as being a you know a, a young kid coming up on hip hop. You see it. And they were the superhero. They are the superheroes. I'm oh, looking at them like, yeah, yeah, yeah. damn. That's dope. He's doing this. He putting this down. I was like, wow. And then he turned around yeah. and he had the Grandmaster Grand Flash, Flash with the yeah. Flash. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> so that's nah, a funny dude, though. Yeah. Respect the Flash. Right. Yeah, man. So <laughs> let me let me ask you a quick question. Yeah. Your first pieces of equipment, you you tapped into it. What was your first mixer? Um, my first mixer was a realistic mixer. Um, it wasn't a knob one. My boy had the knob one. Um, but I just had the regular realistic mixer. It was real simple. Four, so, four so cha- two channels. Break this down. Where did you? This is just for them. 
Where did you get it from? I went to Radio Shack. Exactly. I went to Radio Shack. <laughs> Radio, Radio Shack. Shack was every DJ's best friend. That's mm. right. That was the best buy then for DJs. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Wow, that yeah, was like everybody it, went to radio shack. The right. funny thing is that mixer wasn't good though. No, it was just it what was, you. Could that's get. what I could yeah. get. Yeah, yeah. Right. what I could afford. And, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it was, it was, it made, I made it work. Right. You know, we had to make it work. That's really that's what hip hop was about. It was like a poor man's um, band. Um, music, band. Yeah, yeah, poor yeah. man's band. Thank you. Yeah, so <laughs> we so made it work. So you had you had the realistic mixer. I know exactly which one you're talking about. Direct drive turntable. D- direct drive. I took the uh, the, the uh, whatever that is, the little needle holder things. I took it out and put like a little pencil. I used to cut pencils and make it uh, short so I can scratch over it. Mm-hmm. Because you know, usually with the uh, handle on it where they drop the records, I took mm-hmm. that long piece out. Said, "I got a least scratch because mm-hmm. I want to hit the middle." How did you? How did you? What kind of? Uh, uh, what did you use for? For felt like, like oh yeah, what for I would the felt, do, I would I would cut up the yes. the paper on the inside of the vinyls and, and mm. put the record on top put of the it, record cut on it, top and so cut. That. I make about three or four of them and put them on top <laughs> and bip it, chip it, chip it. <laughs> mom, mom just get mad. My father be pissed. You know, shouts out my pops. I used to cut up like his um, Miles Davis Water Baby albums mm. and all that. And I was I was experimenting. Mm. Why did you um did you because I used to put uh, pennies on top. You know you tape the absolutely to the needles. Yes, so you to, to put the weight on it. To put the, the weight pennies on. or a nickel, depending on the type of needle. Yeah, you, you couldn't had. you couldn't put a quarter on. No, no, no. It would nah, 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 it. crazy. Yeah, it would smash. <laughs> You'd be sitting there looking crazy, you know. On the <laughs> De- definitely on that. But yeah, man, you know Mars. No, you know we <laughs> DJs, DJs. <laughs> yeah, but California though, definitely Dr. Dre. I mean that's that's one of my top producers ever in life. Right. Mm-hmm. Seriously, like his the way he thinks and you know how he utilizes the people around him and you know production incredible. style incredible, incredible man. It's crazy. I didn't he know that. Talk about. I didn't know the tapes was going all the way to the Midwest like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Like DJ Quick said, St. Louis is just like Compton. Oh yeah, he's wow. yeah yeah pulling up at Gus. You know that was the sneaker shop like Walters. Gus is was the staple as far as sneakers like any artists that come in town that's where they go they go to Gus mm. so so if if a DJ is popping let's, let's say this is late 90s uh, I mean late 80s I'm sorry mm-hmm. 85 to 90 um, a DJ's in St. Louis where's he selling his tapes at um, he's they not just amongst friends. It was no, mm. we didn't use the um flea markets and nothing like that. We mm. just would do it pop, pop in high and pop. Yeah, we just sell it. My, I might be cutting hair and I might sell because I used to cut hair too. So then mm. I sell my tape, mm. you know, to a partner for, here five bucks for a tape or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the so the DJ Jelly <laughs> mixtape DJ mm-hmm. Jelly didn't occur into Atlanta. To Atlanta, that's when it became. I was doing it in high school. People was like. All right, Jelly, you know, the music. I was like, cool, but I was a, a visual artist. Mm-hmm. So I used to paint, draw, and all that. So I was really cool. thinking about going to college for it like that. Mm-hmm. But the kids in high school, I used to start throwing parties. They was like, well, good luck on the music, music, music. I'm like, okay. So, yeah, it didn't happen until I got with MC Assault in Atlanta where it became official, official. Mm-hmm. You know, I did it while I was working at Peppermint's in college and working in Magic City. But then following that, this was like 89, 90. 91, I got with Assault and then really started creating this product. Right? So what what brought you to Atlanta? Music. Music. I mean, basically, uh, and I always tell this, my mother was reading Essence Magazine and I was looking at it. I was over, I was looking at it. She was in the couch in front of me and I'm looking over her shoulder and it was like Bobby Brown builds a 15 point gazillion dollar home in Atlanta. I said, <laughs> 
oh, that's why. I literally saw that and was like, I'm gone. I'm, I'm, I'm out. Of, I'm gone. Ain't nothing happening in, in St. Louis. I'm out. What year? What year was that? This was '89. Mm. I was like, I'm gone. So you get here in '89. When did you when did you link up with uh, Assault? I linked up with Assault like early 91 mm. because my first job was at Bobby Brown Studio. Interning, mm. right? How about that? Interning. Yeah, so heard about I, that. I was manifesting some things and yeah. really was putting myself in the energy of it. And mm. um, my first DJ job was Magic City. You know, shouts out to DC, Brain Supreme, whoop, mm. there it is. He gave mm. my first opportunity as a DJ. Wow. And then eventually... You know, it started, the word started getting out, and then I connected with Assault through a partner of mine, uh, Freddie B. Shouts out to Freddie B., who's like one of the main producers of the Oomp Camp sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, man, early 91, we started slinging, slinging them tapes, getting out in the streets. Simpson Road, West Side, we, we there Sunday through Sunday working. Wow. Uh, slinging tapes, like dope. I mean, the same <laughs> thing, is, I kid you not. It's just, yeah, it was, it was all in unison. Like, somebody was over there doing that, I was over there with the tapes. With the tapes. So, so the 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 distribution was extremely street level. Very much street level. Yep. Did you guys have stores, or you guys we didn't were have little? stores at first? Obviously, um, mm-hmm. we were just straight working the west side. We was riding. We rode everywhere: the north side, the west side, south side, college. We rode everywhere and sold it on the corners. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, we started getting you know saying, "Oh well, let's spend some money. We you know we're building this money up. Let's go ahead and invest in." Um, the flea market spots so we can just be stationary. Mm-hmm. Right? And, so but we was, still did the streets, but we still had little spots. So did did <clears throat> were you selling tapes inside the uh inside Magic City? Um no, I didn't. This was uh Magic City. I was just doing tapes for people in Magic mm-hmm. City. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't I didn't look at it as a business then. You Person, know what personalized saying? tapes? Or? Yeah, just personal tapes. Okay. So somebody would come in, you know, whoever the big guy of the streets was, he'd come, yo, Jelly, I want you to make a tape. On the dancers. So, hey, I need this, yeah. Soundtrack-wise, what was on those tapes? Because um, you're talking, this is what, 91? This is 90. 90? 90 and Magic. So 90, I was, it was, you know, everything from Set Off to Planet Rock mm-hmm. to Bobby Brown mm-hmm. um, to all all the, all the um, electronic-type music, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Play at Upper your own risk. Uh, Magic Mike, a lot of Magic Mike, all that, because they was running it during that time. Mm-hmm. Like that shit was really running the A. So mm-hmm. when I think of Sonics, in, you know, from Atlanta standpoint, everything was fast. I was just getting to yeah. that point. Everything like, was up tempo, up tempo. And so why is that? I mean, I don't know. It's just the energy. You close, you close to Florida, Alabama, mm-hmm. all the country places love booty shake music. You know, mm-hmm. and then obviously strip clubs. That was just that was the soundtrack of strip clubs at that time, and really. People spent money because the women actually danced. They, yeah. you know, it's different now. At back then, they was working out. They was really dancing, and the mm-hmm. money was really sticking to their bodies because mm-hmm. <laughs> they was sweating, sweating and dancing to them fast music for damn near 15, 20 minutes. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was different then, man. People, and that's another thing too. Speaking of Florida, Florida just had a musical influence on Atlanta and the whole West Coast electro scene. Mm-hmm. It yes. just did. Like everybody. You had a lot of military folks coming through Georgia, obviously, mm-hmm. and and this were the sounds they were bringing through Atlanta, and mm-hmm. they and it's stuck in Atlanta. So, I remember more so ninety one than than ninety. Okay, I remember the Hard Boys because I, I got to Atlanta uh, August fifteenth, nineteen ninety one. That's first day freshman week that day, and I remember um, the Hard Boys being 
the sound of Atlanta mm. at that time. Oh, street side of Atlanta. Street side, yes. They were street side, um, CMP. Um, Shouts out to Kirk and Rashida. Mm-hmm. You know, they was doing their thing, you know, with, with the, um, the girl group that they had at that time. I mean... Yeah, it was a, it was a whole nother side of Atlanta. It just wasn't booty. It just wasn't booty shake. But even the booty shake artists, well, what they considered bass artists, they were doing street music too. Though you mm-hmm. had Kilo and them wasn't just doing fast music. They was doing all kind of yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. You know, Sammy Sam was doing. Well, he was he was straight rugged. Sam was the real. <laughs> he was like the DMX uh, oh, the, of the Atlanta. Yeah, 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 yeah. Period. Yeah, yeah. So, so man, I mean, Atlanta at that time was a different place, right? So you had a couple different versions of Atlanta. You had the AUC, which was like its own planet. Yep, And then you, had, you had the east side, but then adjacent to the AUC, you had, and this is when I first heard your name popping off, you had 559 and oh, that energy. Smash. Mm, oh, yeah. that was a whole yeah. That was some different. real Atlanta shit. Like, <laughs> if you didn't understand what's going on in the early nineties, boy, you had to be there for that one. Like that was the real deal shit. Like yes, yes. I'm, a, I'm yo as a college student, I'm gonna keep it so real. Mm-hmm. We were afraid to go over there because I believe it. it was. It, please believe it. <laughs> it was different. Yeah, it was like, different. It, it, was, it was Atlanta. It, this was mm-hmm. this is Atlanta. Yeah, you know this is this is this is the scope. This is the west side of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This this was the real Simpson Road. This is the west side of Atlanta, southwest and west side of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. That's what it was, and everybody was in there. And people, it wasn't like people was killing people, and they were just they wasn't with the bullshit at all. <laughs> <laughs> Zero tolerance. You get your head cracked, you might get your head cracked, but they didn't know it wasn't shooting up people. You right. know, it wasn't none of that type of shit. Yeah. So, um. Backtracking a little bit, mm-hmm. we talking about you. You had mentioned your store, the the store, the so, stores. So I know yep. the team Assault. is called the Oomp Camp. No, it was MC Assault and DJ Jelly. The Oomp Camp came afterwards. afterwards. So it was you got to understand. Oh, excuse me, you got to understand something with the whole Oomp Camp thing. That was something that me Assault and Big Oomp created from the mixtapes mm-hmm. because gotcha. we had to put together a squad. Right. So Big Oomp obviously was the money at that time mm-hmm. and we was like and Assault was like man Big Boy we need to do a label and so then you know that's 95 officially became Big Oomp Records Okay. 95. Mm-hmm. So this you, was years after the tapes. Gotcha. Let me ask you a question about the tapes. Mm-hmm. When it comes to uh, the west side of Atlanta rivalry to the east side you had King Edward J. Talk about that. Um, look, I mean, that was a vendetta that MC Assault had. He's like the triple OG of the squad. He <laughs> he get us in all the bullshit, but it was good shit, though. Obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, King Edward J was running shit since the 80s. Um, he wanted to change, he wanted to kind of shake up the basket, so he call it. So King Edward J and them talked on mixtapes like the East Coast folks did. Mm-hmm. And he was just, man, fuck all that, all that talking and shit. I can't hear the fucking music. So, we came with the plan of making more of a production, mm. which enabled us to basically break music um, and give possibilities to the sound that Atlanta can have mm. at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, we basically influenced a lot of the producers mm-hmm. during that time period. Y'all gave birth to it. Yeah, <laughs> right. The yeah. sound, we were mixing hard, soft, uh, sweet stuff with gangster twerk shit. We was putting all that shit together. Mashups. So we were doing mashups before mashups. Right. So yeah, Edward J was running shit, you know, his whole squad. And we were like, well, look, we want to get in this game too. We wanted to take over. And and the salt was like, man, fuck them. Let's go ahead and get them up out the picture, which we ended up doing. We ended up putting a dent 
you know, we really bought the whole West Side guy behind us, and we bought the debt, and we 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 put it down. So so I remember, I th- I think this is the first time I met you, college student. I'm working at Marco's Pita. Um, I remember you walked in. Um, I don't think. I don't think you knew who I was. Mm. I wasn't nobody to know at the time. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I, I was a student, literally a, a, a college student and a student of the game. But I knew who you were again because the AUC is adjacent to the West End. Right. Um, and you came in and you had the MC, DJ Jelly MC Assault tape, the 187. I, I tell you this story Classic. all, the, all mm. the time. And you, so this is this is what's wild about history and how things are supposed to go. Marco Blue Johnson on the spot. Shots I'm in the there. Blue. Kenny Burns is in there, mm-hmm. right? I'm in there. Now this is whatever year in the 90s it is. And I remember you walked in, you gave Blue a tape, gave KB a tape, probably Drina and in, 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 uh, um, she worked in there with us and you gave me a tape. And then that was the first time we met. Like, like clearly, right. you were. that was the first time we met. Yo, when you left, I played that tape. I was like, yo, this kid is going crazy. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, mixtapes to me weren't necessarily, they weren't, they weren't uh, produced to the level that, that you were producing. A doo-wop was definitely taking production up. G-Bo the Pro was definitely taking production up. But I feel like that tape, was the first Atlanta-based tape that I studied. And I was like, yo, this kid is going crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, again, that was a collaborative effort. I mean, you know, we got the think tank, you know, shots out of MC Assault. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, everybody just hung with us because that's we were sitting around the table like we were the, the damn hitman from Puff for Daddy. <laughs> and, and, really, and that's just how, even to this day, you know, Monte... Um, shout out to everybody that we collaboratively do things like that together, you know. That's, mm-hmm. that's what really... That, that really became a staple of Atlanta music in the mm-hmm. 90s, mm-hmm. obviously. And then influenced everything on, even to the music to this day. Right. Because it's shit from back then, really, right. realistically. Yeah, that, that cover was crazy, too. I seen that cover with the oh, toe tag. Oh, man, with the toe tag. <laughs> Did they smurf on the cover? On the, man, the toe that tag? was bad, yeah. yeah. That was bad. <laughs> no, we you had, we had it, no, I'm saying like that. We had to do it. We had to do it, too. Shouts out to my partner, College Park. Bro, bro that's Collie my Park. guy, too, man. Man, and we good friends to this day. Yeah. So that's so dope. So so it was it was a musical rivalry, not necessarily a beef. Yeah, it was just a rivalry. Just rivalry. rivalry. It wasn't no real beef, man. It wasn't just no competitive. Just competitive. Yeah, it was, you had to. You got to do. This is part of hip hop. That's right. part of human nature. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Talk about the uh, mixtape artwork that you guys had. Like that um, was a dope cover right there. So talk about the stuff you were doing so, early in the game. So yeah, shouts out to my boy uh, Mike, white boy Mike, who went to college with me. Him and Assault would just sit and collab on the style of the tape, how it looked visually, and all that. So he was he was putting it down. He was really coming with that artwork during that time period, mm. like really tight. It was it was it was like a comic book almost. Like mm-hmm. when we did the artwork, that's that's kind of how the style was pretty much. Mm. But uh, it was incredible artwork. So yeah. what I admired about the movement is I was like, we knew that the, the J team had uh, retail, right? Yeah, went to the store, Candler Road, but I've, it just looked maybe because I always lived. Either midtown, downtown, or somewhere on the on the west side, it just looked like your retail business acumen was on a trillion from jump. Nah, like, we were. We went to go conquer everywhere. If if J team was sitting over there, we'd set up like we racetrack, like to QT. We'd go <laughs> set up right down the street. 
And we so y'all, we were y'all on put it. up spots on, yeah, on the east side. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, sure. The um, Flea Market is like one of our biggest spots, you know, for no. decades. Y'all wasn't scared at all. No, because <laughs> we had, you know, we had we had all the goons with us. We had we had the whole the west side, west side behind us, and the south side. Like really, it was really a movement. Mm-hmm. It was a huge movement. It was a movement, and, and it took so so backtracking a bit conversationally. The not only was it a huge movement. I this is again. This is the outside looking and right, not me, right, me right, right. not knowing the particulars. Mm-hmm. It looked like home base for Oomp Camp and DJ Jelly was five five nine. So I'm gonna paint a picture of five five nine. You could not get off that was that. It's not Lee Street. It's the exit after Lee Street on twenty. You could even no. Hold up. Let me back it. If you got off on Lee Street, you got off and you took a left. You were stuck at that next yeah, light. You were stuck in a. It was a square. <laughs> yes. Mm. And you were stuck. You were stuck. I've heard stories. Like, you couldn't get in. Again, I'm coming from campus, so so if we went over there, we walked, and then we got over there by the mall, and I'm I'm keeping it funky, which we were like, nah, this is... We nah, this ain't it, B. Yeah, like, like yeah. The, the, but it, but it was just it was. You gotta understand something. Five five nine. It, it was a hood club, but everybody used to be in there. I'm talking about Jermaine, mm-hmm. uh, Jagged Edge. Mm-hmm. This is before the sections. Like you had a room full of dope people, musicians, strippers. Everybody's in one room. No sections. Mm-hmm. Nobody sitting up here looking down. It was none of that. That's that was the real enjoyment of Atlanta at that time period. We were just all there. It didn't even matter who was who. Mm-hmm. We were just in there partying together. What did it sound like? Like what? what it was. It was. All what was your biggest records? My, I mean, everything from Ambitions of a Rider mm. uh, to um, UA to um, Born Threat. Um, mm-hmm. All the masterpiece stuff. Roll obviously. it up. Roll it up. Was that a big record? I mean, and, and I know it was. Well, a big record when they, people dance, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. But um, you had, you know, you had all the masterpiece stuff that was just killing the clubs at that time. Crazy. Kilo Ali. Uh, um, Kilo Ali, obviously Raheem, all the bass artists. Mm-hmm. But Master P probably had the biggest records at that time. Which which one? Which P records? Um, uh, No Limit Soldier. Uh-huh. Break them off something. Uh, break them off something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the C Murder Soldier song. Mm-hmm. Um. Here I go, like mm-hmm. they was killing the club at that time, man. and and of course, Pac Ambitious Rider was huge, mm-hmm. huge, huge. Mm. Like it just it just looked like from from my vantage point, y'all had all the flea markets. And we then did, we had twenty five yeah. locations at one time. Wow, wow. twenty five literally. And I don't know how we did it, but we did it. But we used to work Sunday through Sunday. I I look back, I be like, damn, shit, we worked our ass off. You know, 25, 25 locations. How did y'all Meaning, manage that? So, so check this out. We had wholesalers. Shouts out to Tobago DBS. I'm one of our first wholesalers, mm-hmm. my partner. Um, we had, so I'm including people that we wholesale to as uh-huh. well. So we included that in that in that equation as well. Sheesh. And we had maybe five that we normally man, you know, between our whole crew. Mm-hmm. Like we had a stupid crew. We had all the cousins and Aunties and mamas and everybody working, mm. you know, whether it was uh, dubbing up the tapes. Uh, we okay. had everybody working. Mm. So you put out Jelly, let's say it's Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say, because this is going to lead into a question that, that Bro has been um, talking about for a minute. It's it's Freaknik, it's Monday of Freaknik, right? Freaknik's about to start. The Cali picnic was, was Saturday, Sunday, so it's Monday about to go into the weekend. Let's say you got a tape that you know is crazy, 
What is it like? With I didn't know that y'all had 20, 20 25, plus stores, yeah. 25 stores. Mm. What is it like when you drop a tape that you know is crack, you know is about to take over the city? What is that like? How many, how many, um, how many tapes you do you feel as though you're gonna sell leading into a freaknik situation? I mean, as far as tapes, man, per week, I mean, we'll we'll sell easy on a tape, five to eight hundred tapes easy out the gate. Mm-hmm. That's just mm. kicking off the week. Mm-hmm. But you know when you start accumulating that in the month time span in different tapes, mm. we we were mopping it up, bro. We was we was getting to that bread on that. Mm. Like that was that t- that took care of several families at that time, <laughs> literally. Yeah, I I get it. And that's just one tape popping off at five eight hundred volumes at ten dollars a piece. I was just about to ask you what what was ten dollars a piece off the rip. Wow, off wow. the rip. How five to eight is just a, is a decent number. How much we sell them wholesale for? Wholesale, we were selling tapes for five dollars. Wholesale, okay. Sheesh. but we was, but you know, you have you get in the stores, you have twenty different mixtapes. You know what I'm saying? You wholesaling all the motherfuckers, and you drop in three to five tapes a month on top of that. So wow. do the math. We took care of about, like I said, several families. Mm. Um, I mean, I had quit my job at Peppermint Records because I was over there managing. Which one well, in the West, uh, West End? End. Uh-huh. You know, um, so you know, because the shit started jumping. No, I'm. I mean, bro. Like, Quickly, I was just like, it's, wow. It's, I, I wasn't even. I DJed only at uh, five five nine, and but that was the jump out part because I used to throw out my birthday parties mm-hmm. over there, and that would just you know obviously market the whole our whole mixtape game as well as our label eventually leading up to that point. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the jump off. So, so did y'all center? I, I referenced Freak Nick. Um, did y'all center tapes around events? Or no, no, no. We just did the tapes. And when events happened, we were just ready. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. We, we were there just popping out. We wasn't saying, well, we're going to make it for it. No. We just were always on deck, ready. And, soon, and Freak Nick, you know, shouts out the whole Freak Nick movement. That just really helped us get out there just nationally. That's what I wanted to ask. Yeah. How pivotal was Freak Nick to the movement uh, and but, spread of your mixtapes across the country? Because people were coming from everywhere when it comes to Freak Nick. So New York, Midwest, West Coast, Florida. Everybody was coming to the ATL for Listen, that, and then your tapes were spreading across the country. So talk man, about that. The Midwest, shouts out to Cleveland, Cincinnati, Detroit, shouts out to the whole Midwest and the West Coast. They really took them things back and really worked our shit. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. shouts out to the whole military. Everybody that was, you know, all the military that was coming through. They really helped us worldwide, obviously, mm-hmm. during that time period. Mm-hmm. And they was at Free Nick. So it was just that whole combination of 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 Freak Nick and the military. I would say the military. They just it just got us right. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, we wasn't specifically trying to make tapes for a specific type of event. We just was cranking it out, cooking. Mm. So so the tapes are moving are, are moving, but you have a particular style on on your tapes. You know, you said it earlier. It's um kind of like mashups like right it's more of a production yeah it, it, it is a production yeah, it's, 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 it's literally remixes and you yeah. know but that's how we broke a lot of music we broke a lot of the east coast music in atlanta through mm-hmm. that as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so then you you got ill titles man um love mix the bass gang mac, like mac mm-hmm. mixes mad mix one and two <laughs> for uh, the pimps yeah. for the pimps right right right, <laughs> right for the nine six um different yeah man we, man Gazillion titles. I can't. Even, we'll be here till next week talking about talking this. About like yeah. I felt like y'all talked to a specific person in Atlanta. Yeah, like, to Atlanta people, mm-hmm. the people of Atlanta. No, no people who were part of the Black Hollywood and AUC and all that it was just strictly 
Atlanta folks that live in the east side, the south side, the west, like specifically, that's what it was. Mm. So, oh, go ahead, bro. I'm real sorry. quick, let's talk about breaking artists. Like early on in the game, like Outkast, Goody Mob, you know, Hitman Sammy Sam, people like that. Talk about that, how you guys did that. I mean, you know, it's, it's about repetition. You know, if I have a, a bass tape, I'm a mixed. Outcast on that bass tape. I'm gonna mix Goody on that. I'm mm. a, and now I do a slow tape. I'm gonna mix Outcast on the slow tape. Mm. If I do a gangster tape, I'm mix Outcast on the gangster <laughs> tape. <laughs> if I have an R and B one, they're gonna be on all of them. So mm. you know, you got a, a plethora of things, and they're on all those tapes. Uh, Reimagine in different ways. So people are like, damn, this sound kind of dope. Damn, Andre rapping over that Biggie beat with that 808 behind it, like. We giving you possibilities of what can be. Right. Whether artists coming to you and giving these music exclusively, or you guys just nah, we would just snatch them up, snatch just them like up. man, give me that, and then they'd be like, here, you know, they'd come, they'd come over. Tip used to hang out when he was a kid around the store, all that. Like they just do shit. Mm. Mm. You know, everybody was just willing to do stuff because nobody knew where all this was going, but we were all having fun and just really exploring. I'm talking about from our DJ side to all the artists that was around it during that time from the outcast to the goodies to the um Paul and them triple six everybody boo everybody mm. and everybody was just doing shit together mm-hmm. during that time so so I know I know when you talk about East Coast mixtapes in the blend and the mashup Ron G oh uh, man I was studying him the whole time I when I first started when really you first doing, started yeah, getting into it so he he took the R&B over hip-hop beats. Not to say that he was the first, but he kind of mastered it. Yeah, yeah. He became the man on that. Right. You guys, along with Smurf and them, when I started to, to study to see how y'all was getting busy, I was hearing the double time, the R&B Fast records under... Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I felt like you guys influenced the, the record production side as well as mixtapes like like yeah absolutely like i mean you can tell the little john and all them they know they mm. like, man i got my jelly tape i'm sitting vibing smoking blunt <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean okay cool you know shawty red shots out the nephew i mean you know that's a blessing you mm. know to, to do work and you know other people experiences as well and 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 evolve it from there mm. I, I saw a statement that said besides dj screw in uh texas recipes dj screw absolutely you were the foundation of Southern mixtapes. Your camp was the foundation of Southern mixtapes. They said besides DJ Screw, DJ Jelly, and his camp were the foundation of Southern mixtapes. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Me and the salt was getting busy, man. It was it was a real <laughs> it was a real tactful and tasteful situation, man. And and we really, you know, not only you know birthed the big Um records out of that, but we really helped a lot of the artists in the South. Really, gotcha. that shit really. Um, up top too They were coming through And we were helping out I mean We didn't care about that shit We were You know It's hip hop We yeah, love yeah, it You know yeah. what I'm saying it's The excitement of it You know It's like a kid Being in the candy store mm-hmm. Like what What I appreciate About you Is your Loyalty To The A Not Not Atlanta Not ATL The A And I, I right. say that Meaning Like Like The west side of Atlanta is, I feel like if I didn't know you were from St. <laughs> right. Louis, I feel like you were born. born right, you, you right, know, right, you know right. What I'm saying? Like, like, so I study, when I study DJs, like I look at what they stand for. And right. from day one, right. 
they won. You stood that ground. Right. More right. so Absolutely. than a lot of cats who yeah. were born here. Yeah. And, and Honestly, I mean, Lil John and Cersei used to call me the, the ghetto DJ. Can you imagine <laughs> that? They used to call me the ghetto they, DJ. <laughs> I'm like, what? I never forgot that back mm-hmm. in the day. They're like you took that offensively? Uh, back then, of course. Because I knew how to really, I knew how to DJ. Like I, I'm like, look now, I, I don't. We can, we can go anyway Any now. But you know, they just was like, oh, he a ghetto DJ. It, I forgot where we were. This was like the early '90s, and they were just, oh, he a ghetto DJ. Yo, the funny thing is, that's coming from two guys born here. Like yep. Cersei yep. and John are, yep. are born yep. here. Yeah. Yep. Um. And every DJ has a has a category. Um. It, Absolutely. I it, mean, you know, we 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 we, we all got a category. Yeah. The, the ill thing is, me and you have done super high profile events. Uh, so I know that category doesn't doesn't it. That's not who you right, are. Right. But but yeah. But I mean, that's what I'm knowing. You know, you got certain things. That's just like Premier is from Texas, but he has created the sound of New York, and he Period. is, you know, it go hand in hand. Right. New York and Premier, and yeah. he's from Texas, but it don't matter. He's literally is, the boom man, bap producer. Boom bap, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm cool with that. You know, the older I got, I was like, okay, I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. But you know, back then, you know, we all in college or whatever, and I'm just like, okay. But, what school did you go to? Um, I went to Atlanta College of Art, mm-hmm. which is now um, Savannah. But I did take some courses over like Spelman. I did shit like that too. I was like, <laughs> I was trying to be nosy. I was trying to be and all that. I was like, oh. I got to experience that. Like the AUC, I was I was there. Right. Heavy, heavy, heavy. Um. So the AUC I mentioned it earlier, it, it uh, adjacent to to the West End. I remember kids. It was a lot of wasn't necessarily kids from Atlanta that put me onto five five nine. It would be like the 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 kids who lived in the dorm that was from Texas, that was from Louisiana, that was from Florida. They they were from the AUC. They were your patrons first. The mm-hmm. Ill, I'm gonna tell you mm-hmm. something crazy. The first club club that. Um, me and Trauma ever spun in, it, more so him than me, was an off night at 559. Super off night. It was like a Tuesday. Tuesday. I was about to say, it'd be a Tuesday. <laughs> now, now, we didn't last more than three hours. <laughs> like, and they wow. did not, my no, bad, got, they yeah. did not call us back. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. But the first, I, I remember Trauma was like, yo, man, come call me to, to spin at this club. I, you know, that was probably the first time I ever heard it. It was definitely the first time I walked in a building. Um, but yeah, man, right, right there over there in the West End, it was five five nine. That club Mike was Cato. so yeah, man, so influential. A- again, bro, you gotta you gotta look at it like this. The club is re- literally the size of this book. It's not big <laughs> at all. Um, I remember the parking lot. The parking lot is small, so I mean, parking lot, yeah. But you couldn't small, get but, off the yeah, highway, right? You couldn't. I don't care where, if you were coming from Alabama, you you're driving east, or you come from the east side, headed into the West End. It was it was Lee Street first, and then what was the if you were coming from you know, Ashby? Ashby was the other side. And you well, could they call not, it something else now, but yeah, yeah, you could not get off the highway. And then if you were walking from campus, because we used to walk. From campus to, to the Martyr yeah. Station, you were walking to, by the time you crossed over uh, 20 right there, and you looked to your right, it was cars, cars everywhere. It, it was, it was, you know, I'm it not It was free nigga like, every Friday, Every Saturday. Friday. It was literally like that. Every Friday and Saturday, bro. It was crazy, man. Man. Crazy. 
So you you guys go from being mixtape kings to the record label, to the record and label. now that you're was breaking transition. your own artist. Talk about that, right? So I mean that that was a hard road at first. I mean, like anything else, I mean we had Major Bank, which which was our first act. Mm-hmm. Uh, MC Assault was the lead guy in that, and um, Freddie B, who you know when you think of the Oom Camp sound, he was really that him and Assault really put that thing together. Mm-hmm. So that was hard. People wasn't looking for it because um, that late, that uh, group was coming on some West Coast kind of vibe, but it just <laughs> wasn't. Oh, I know. But then you know Oom finally got with Sammy Sam, and that changed the whole playing field. What was that riding Sam, with some players? Um, right, but even just before that, just the fact that he got with him mm. and it just changed up because Sam was straight Atlanta out the hood, reckless mm-hmm. knucklehead, but <laughs> he was a master at performing. Mm-hmm. He is a master at performing, mm-hmm. um, and that just changed. That just really solidified all big room records is here for real. Even that coastline. Sam really helped that really mm-hmm. get solid. Boom, you know, straight up. I, I think it was I, I think it was riding with some players. Here's what I remember: the the label on the record was yellow. The writing was black. That and was no. That was um, which way intoxicated. That's, that's, that's was right was. before riding players. Yep. That's what and it had was. the DJ Jelly MC Assault the uh, stamp. stamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Baby I, D was on the other side. I don't remember. Mm. Maybe you gave it to me. I think I was doing the live broadcast at one twelve in. And that was one of my go-to records. Like, like when it was time to, you know, turn up. Yeah, like, you, 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 at one twelve, crazy. Oh my god, we 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 could do a whole podcast on one twelve. I mean, <laughs> right, god. Anyway, yeah, no, that's dope, though. Like, like that that movement. So I'm I'm looking at it, and I'm like, damn, like these dudes went from went from the tape, still doing the tape. So it's not wasn't like the tape stopped at all. Right, but just that became another part of it. Another entity, you know, creating this this sound and this label. And these artists who who were all working with us already, dubbing tapes and stuff. And I was just like, man, you need to rap over here. You need to come and get on this tape and freestyle. Right. I used to direct them like, hey, do that. Da, Which da, da, ones da. in particular? I'm intoxicated. Mm. Mm. They were basically, you know, that's what they did. They were dubbing up tapes. Um when I uh, guys who would really hit the road hard and really um, push the tapes. Starving Marvin, his little brother was Be Real, who became one of the uh, lead guys in um, Intoxicated mm. with that walk it like you want to talk it that style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah. they were real creative. They were street. They were just creative. You know how many Atlanta rappers bit that style? Of course. Right. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm not even trying to be funny. Right. That that little uh, 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 yeah. That's me. That's Migos' whole style. Right. That's Migos' right. whole style. Yeah. And even I think even visually, um, a lot of them them younger artists like that, Baby D always had that swag mm. from the East Side. So mm-hmm. that was that was a Baby D ish swag. That whole kind of the, how the young boys looking now is what Baby, Baby D, D was, was on, on in '89. Right. Yeah, ni- in the, I mean, no, excuse me, in '99 and 2000. Yeah, that's you know that type of swag, right? That's that, that East Side type shit. That was my introduction to Atlanta because I came to Atlanta in '01. So my family, my mom would send me out here during spring break and you know summertime to visit family. So I heard of the Oom Camp, but when I came in '01, the East Side West Side, that song was the song. <laughs> yo, Studio Central, we Man, to, that was on. the song. <laughs> Studio Central was the song. That was the song. East Side Studio West Side. Side, and then the remix came out. Out of here. Yeah, we we created the remix from um, when I used to do. Um, uh, what's that? Alex and them club on. Um, I used to do the basement part. Esso, Esso, Esso on a what was that Friday, Friday nights? Oh, Friday, Friday nights. So I would do the basement. I do the down south and like my like me and Baby D's girl, all our little fans. They used to be Esso. 
my hoes. So we was just like, fuck that. Let's make a yes. record. We got to make a record, record about that. Yeah, that's what they would do. I remember that. So you know what's funny about what you just said? So me and Farrah, me, Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit and Shaq Kim was upstairs. Let's say it's the East Coast room. East yeah. Coast and reggae. <laughs> and then you all was downstairs. So, so let's say... Um, we're switching out Fahrenheit gets on and I take a break I would come down there yo it was like Freaknik yeah, every right you, it was 559 five, yeah, that's the line that's, that's what the it was because <laughs> remember I would I would walk to the door because I couldn't get in the room and I would look over I would, the, the door was to the right hey. of the DJ and I would look to the left and, you know what I mean salute you yep. and yo yep. you couldn't get in the room. I remember that. It was free. I remember this. It was free for 11 college ID. So I was, I was taking the bus over there. It was called kept, the tunnel. The tunnel. Yes. It was called, it was called, it was, yes. it was called the tunnel. It was called the tunnel. Everybody just waiting at the steps like. <laughs> for the that open. was dope. Yeah, so was so you had the ability to create a sound, mm -hmm. then create records, and then test them. Like yeah. that's, that's power that a lot of DJs don't have. Right. right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. I, I never produced records, so I couldn't sit at the house. I didn't sit at the house and make a record. And then go to the club the yeah, next day. And, right, and, right, and, and, that and night. play it. But I was able to watch y'all's movement from its inception. Like, well, not its inception, because I got here in 91. You got here in 90. But I, at least from the record um Well, yeah, the label it. didn't kick till 95. Got so you. So you, you in the game. And then, like, my favorite artist from y'all, I felt like it was... Baby D, like Baby D. maybe it was cause his swag. It was his swag. Like, Baby D got that. That's the, that's some real East Atlanta, East Side shit. He mm -hmm. just like he had that flavor, like straight up. Women loved him. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like he was an incredible lyricist, but he had flavor, and he mm -hmm. and he really gave you. This is a part of Atlanta that's real. Mm -hmm. Killer Road and McAfee, very, yeah. man, it was very authentic. Right, yeah, super I remember, authentic. I remember seeing the video on a uh, public access TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot the uh, the channel used to come on, but when I first right. came to Atlanta, public access TV, I remember seeing the video on there. I was like, right. wow, right, he's right. really moving. Right, and then eventually, when the label kicked off, we eventually created the television show. That came at the late night show, the Live with the Oom Camp, which mm. ran from 2000 to 2010. And shouts out to uh, Wyclef. He did our last show. And he wow. was fucking freestyling hard as shit. Damn, what the hell? We were down We were down at Spin over there in um, Peter Street. Mm -hmm. He was killing it. Oh, I got to find that tape. He was killing yeah, we need, it. We need, we need, yeah, we definitely. He was rock. I mean, he's, he, he freestyled about 15 minutes. I was like, shit. <laughs> right. But he was killing you know, yeah, Wyclef. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Yeah, got a question for you. Talk about the Southern Style DJs. How'd that come up? That came up because of the Hitman, mm. um, which the Hitman I first got with Casper and Greg Street. We were going to start that up. And then Monte and Howard, Howard, MC Assault, they was just like, man, fuck that. We can do our own shit, man. Da -da -da -da. <laughs> and we created Southern Style DJs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Shout out to Monte. Yep, Good absolutely. People's. So explain what the Southern Style DJs are. Uh, it's just, that's a collective that we call ourselves. That's all. Mm -hmm. It was just uh, basically uh, turning the other situation from the Hitmen because the Hitmen were going to be more, and they were more politically in terms of dealing with like Atlanta radio. We dealt with everything, the radio, we dealt with the people in the streets, mm -hmm. we dealt with everybody. So mm -hmm. that just kind of separated us in terms of the title. That's all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got you, got you. What, what year was that around? Oh, shit. That had to be... That had to be like 98, 9 or something, I think. Or it might have been 2000. I don't know. Who were the members? Who were the members? Of uh, Southern Style? Mm -hmm. It was just me, Assault, and Monte. And right. now we have a new member, DJ Super Blue, a young dude. Mm -hmm. So so you still use that moniker? Yeah, um, uh, Mixtape Mobsters as well. 
Mm-hmm. So that's we use Southern style DJs to mixtape mobsters. Got it, got it. I mean, yo, I mean, yo, you are so pro Atlanta, right? Like, <laughs> like, like, and I say that in in the in the highest form. Like, um, Atlanta, Atlanta at <clears throat> at one time, I felt like didn't respect the DJ. So, so when I say this, I'm gonna give you a couple of reasons. You would go to parties, and the DJ's name wouldn't be on the fly. It would just be club whatever, right? So that was kind of why we started the Super Friends. But always looking at y'all's movement, the DJ was always first. Yeah, because that was some Atlanta shit. Like mm-hmm. Atlanta respects DJs. The people who was on the surface, the uptown, the Black Hollywoodish, whatever, the AGs, that didn't that didn't concern them. You know, it didn't, you know, even coming out. It's just Atlanta always respected DJ. It was a, it's always been a dance culture here in Atlanta mm-hmm. and a DJ culture that's strong. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, you just said something super important, the dance culture. Absolutely. Right. Because you know what, you know, you got to dance, attach it to a record. The record goes <laughs> even faster. So Before TikTok. Yeah, before before right. TikTok. So Unk walk it out, Unk him. Yeah. Like so, yep. you, you haven't mentioned him prior to this. Where is he at in the relationship? Um, Unk came when the label finally blew uh, blew up. So they say mm-hmm. that was our really broke, you know, breakout artist. Period. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that first independent. That's our independent label we have. We blew up, went up with the charts. It was it was some you know some uh, fairy tale type shit, but it happened, and mm-hmm. it was and it was a dope thing. You know, it happened, and we encompassed all that shit in that first album. Some some real Atlanta shit that just got out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that record still is a jump off record, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a big, huge record. Yeah, right? yeah. Huge like record. you know, you know how DJs like we categorize our music. So I have a set. I have a, in my Serato. I have like ATL dance records. Right, and right. Walk it out. Yeah, <laughs> this is like pre. You know, this is be- <laughs> this is before YouTube really got big. This is before TikTok. So right. it's, it's that. Like the grandfather, that type of shit. Like that's a record that I, when I do my ATL set around the country, that's a record that I have to play. Man, I play that record around the world. That record is <laughs> huge. I've been on the road. I've DJed on the road around the world, and I've DJed with Unk on the road around the world. Like that's, I mean, Japan, Europe. That shit is fucking crazy. Mm. And all came from mixtapes. So came from mixtapes. So yeah. where was he? Was I, I know Unk was, a, was a, he was a southern style DJ. He um, came into it as a DJ. He was DJ Unk. Yeah, it's DJ Unk, and where, he was, was making mixtapes. Where was he spinning at? Like he, he wasn't spinning. He was just helping us make the mixtapes. Gotcha. Mm. Where, what side of the A is he from? He's from Fourth Ward. Oh, yeah, it's from the Fourth Ward. Wow. More more history. I I, yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, more downtown, you know. <laughs> Unk, DJ Unk, shouts out to Unk too. Boulevard. Yeah, like, he put in a lot of work. Man, he put in a lot of work. That's 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 crazy. So influence from the mixtapes grew to influence into production. Um out of the Unk camp, you guys made major history um in the A. What do you think? What do you think? Atlanta would be without you guys. Like right. if you guys didn't it didn't exist, if if DJ Jelly never moved to Atlanta, what would it be? I don't know. It's hard to say. That's that's really hard to say. It wouldn't be where we are now. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to think about Atlanta. Been quietly running the game since two thousand two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Like real influential musically, sonically, right. like it really has. You know, it's just the only thing. Like when you think about. Atlanta just doesn't have the marketing as New York and West Coast. I mean, just let's keep it real. Mm-hmm. Just as far as 
you know, in your face the market. It's just that's why it's been quietly running. Like it's just been running shit. Mm-hmm. For a long time. But yeah, time. I couldn't I couldn't answer that if I wasn't here. I don't know. That, shit, I'm here. Right. <laughs> you know, like, it's, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I ain't going nowhere. You know what I'm saying? It's like, shoot, I'm here. Yeah, so uh, another name that's when you think of the Oot Camp, I think of Monte. Absolutely. Like I think Absolutely. of Monte, Monte's production. Crazy. <laughs> like he produced Flo Rider. Flo Rider. <laughs> Get low. Snoop. Get low. Snoop. Snoop. Um Jeezy. A little bit of everybody. A little so, bit of everybody. So so as a producer and DJ, like uh were you ever in a lab with him when he was making of these course, records? All of all that shit. Mm-hmm. You gotta think, like I said, we have a think tank realistically. Mm-hmm. You know, assault, me, you know, boom, months mm-hmm. is a think tank. Everybody just kicked the ideas around. Mm-hmm. And then go from there. Did you ever get into producing? Um, without the name producing, yeah. I'm more like Rick Rube and Puff. Like I'll tell you, like this need that need to go up, that need gotcha. and black people don't look at it as production. It really is. Yeah, it, it definitely is. is. It I is. mean, you know, that's unfortunate for us black folks. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's all, you know, hey. You know, that's why I'm still I still, you know, I'm still involved with a little bit of everything, like different or other artists and you know, they call me, hey man, I need you to hit, you know, just that's a blessing. I mean, yo, your name's not going anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it's not going anywhere. We did, me and you did the um, mayor's, uh, the after party ball. for the mayor's mask ball. Mas- yeah. mas- mas- ball. And, and you hosted the ATL sec- section. Yeah. Talk about that. Uh, be- because those, the artists that you brought to the stage is the foundation of Atlanta hip hop scene before. The Outcast, the Goodies, yeah. Before the that, so it's the era before Outcast. You, know, you got your first eight artists. You know, starting with Mojo, who mm-hmm. wasn't there, who should have been there. That's Atlanta's first rapper, rapper ever. Mm-hmm. Mojo, period. Mm-hmm. That's the first rapper. But um, it was just good to you know to have them folks come out and rock with the mayor because the mayor understood it. It's just that the crowd didn't really know anything. It was mm-hmm. like scratching their head, really. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I which I thought was interesting, and then it also made me see that. We have to do more podcasts. We have to tell more stories. Right. We have to really, you know, we got educate. another educate. We got to, it's time to work, you know, the next level of work for Atlanta's history, music history. I feel like that's part of the difference between New York and Atlanta. Even the whack side of New York, they puff their chest out and tell their story. Like they'll never let you forget. Yeah. It, it could be a minuscule yeah. piece of information. Yeah, no, you're right. But right. I, I respect that though. Yeah, that's real. It. Yeah, yeah. It. Like they, they, they will let you know. So that Damn moment, right. obviously I was there with you. I was watching it and I was like, yo, this is crazy because this is r- real Atlanta. Uh, one of my favorite rappers that hit the stage that night was Shadi. Like, you could tell watching his movement, you could tell he's still an MC. Yeah, like, you yeah, could yeah, see well, it. Of course. <laughs> like, man, that man, is, yeah, he's a real rapper, you know? Man. Absolutely. And it's, it's beautiful to see that. It, it's, it's extremely beautiful, man. You know, again, me and Brill built this podcast to educate. Yeah, you yes. know what I mean? Absolutely. To tell stories, for, for people to hear your lineage. You know, we always kind of start in the same space. What were you doing in junior high? Because in, in, in most people's lives, if you think, if you ask them what their favorite music was, they always tend to go back to where they were, seventh, eighth grade. Like, it, it just seems like that's... That's the, everyone's starting point. So to hear your start in St. Louis, amazing. Mm-hmm. And then to hear what inspired you to come to Atlanta, 
a little, literally an article in a magazine. Essence. It, Essence. Mm. In a, Very Bobby important Brown. black magazine. <laughs> right. Super yeah. important to know that that story, I'm not saying you wouldn't have got to Atlanta anyway. Right, right. You probably would have. But that story inspires you to say, now I'm going to the A. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have no doubt. Like, it, I literally, as soon as I saw it, I just clicked. Like, it just, bing. Mm-hmm. I was out. I made my plans right out. Damn. Yeah. So, man, you know, this is Art Behind the Tape podcast series. Um, we th- we couldn't have done Jelly the part book. one because it's <laughs> yeah. like three decades. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, so now, now, I'm glad you said that because mm-hmm. the interviews part side A, side, side B. B. That's dope. I <laughs> yes, love yes. it. I so, love it. you know, thank you, bro. You're here. You're going to come back. Absolutely. We're going to dig in the crates Absolutely. even more, man. We appreciate you, brother. I appreciate Definitely. y'all. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Marshall, <laughs> my dog. My dog. The Art Behind the Tape. You get the book at artbehindthetape.com. All right, man. We out of here. Peace. Mixtapes. The classic mixtapes. Doing the mixtape thing. Let me drop a mixtape. Oh, mixtape. The mixtapes. This is the Art Behind the Tape podcast. Podcast. Hosted by this DJ. DJ Mars and Brill Jive. Covering the spectrum of the mixtape culture.